Section twenty six of the McDermott's of Ballycloran. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The McDermott's of Ballycloran by Anthony Trollope. Section twenty six. The races. Part two. But the seven are off. There they go, gently cantering, looking so pretty and so clean the riders so steady the horses so eager how different they will look when three or four or more probably only two are returning to the post the horses jaded the men heated with whip speedily raised and sharply falling spurs bloody and jackets soiled by perhaps more than one violent fall and yet in ten minutes this will be their appearance there they go hurro they're off fakes there's playful at her tricks already by dad she'll be over the ropes steady bob steady or she'll back on you give it to her gainer my boy give it to her never spare her loss did you see that well if he gets her over the course he'll ride the very divil well done bob now you've got her hurroo tony my boy you're all right now and the mare after a dozen other preliminary plunges joined the other horses fakes they're all over that did you see that big brown horse he's thunderer he's a good horse entirely did you see the lep he took at the wall and now they had come to a big drain all the horses being well together as far as this excepting cromaboo who having been forced through a breach made by some other of the horses in the first wall had balked at a bank which came next and never went any further some one told poor stark on the course that the horse didn't run today nearly so well as his owner did last night and it was true enough there goes conqueror he's over faith then George is leading. Brown Hall against to the field. Never mind, said some knowing fellow. He's a deal too fond of leading. He's a deal oftener seen leading than winning. There's little Larry. My, how sweet the mare went over the water. There's Brickbat in it. No, he's out. He's an awkward beast. That's Thunderer. Holy Virgin, what a leap. He goes at everything as if there were twenty foot to cross, and a six-foot wall in the middle. There's Playful at it again. He'll never get around bad cess to you you vixen what made me bet on you there she's over no she's not there's diana did you see pat walk her through faith she'd crawl up a steeple and down the other side there's playful over no she's not right in the middle by heavens and bob under her come away my god he'll be drowned gracious glory did you see that he's up again damn it but he dived under her well i never saw the like of that she's out oh look look bob's in the seat you'll win your money now well bob gainer after that you'll never live till you're drowned come away to the double ditch that's where they'll show what they're made of the mare'll be cold now and she'll run as easy as a coach horse and the two rode away to the big fence mentioned which consisted of a broad flat-topped bank between two wide dry ditches while the horses went the round of the course over four or five intermediate banks here they come there's blake leading what a stride that horse has but you'll see he'll die away now larry's second no george is second but larry's well up faith and he's been down too he and the mare there's playful how she pulls where's brickbat now then and the galloway horse came at the big fence blake pulling him off a little as he came to it then stuck his spurs into his horse's flank gave a lift at his head and threw his left hand to the tree of the saddle the horse gave a terrific leap on the bank paused for a moment and clearing the second ditch came down safe on his legs with a shock that seemed to shake the field hurroo well done 
beat that george now for brown hall no by jesus little larry's next now larry the virgin send you safe over the mare with the light weight on her back made nothing of what seemed in the horse so tremendous a jump and without losing her running skimmed on to the bank and off it and collared the horse before he had regained his stride good luck to you master larry it's you that can ride hurroo for the kellys oh by holy they're both dead this last exclamation referred to conqueror who had come up to the fence much heated but at a great pace george never attempting to pull him off or give him a moment of breath using his whip and riding forward over his horse's neck hurried him on the gallant brute leapt with all his force but not being able to master the height breasted it violently sending his rider a dozen feet into the next field and falling himself into the ditch his head onto the field with a broken heart and dead george however was soon on his feet for his head was hard and he was used to tumbling before he was on his legs however up came playful awfully rushing her neck out her nose forward her nostrils open her eye eager covered with foam but showing no sign of fatigue nor any further inclination to bulk gainer was sitting her beautifully not attempting to hold her for he knew that if he stopped her whipcord wouldn't make her run again but with a firm steady pull on her mouth his hands low and both on the reins and his legs well tucked in there she came on at the leap without easing her pace for a moment and going over the carcass of the dying animal cleared it all bank and ditches at one leap two and thirty feet at one stride there are marks to this day for tony mckeon in his pride measured the ground and put in stakes to point out the spot where his mare showed herself so worthy of all his trouble brickbat had quarrelled with some of his namesakes at a wall and was nowhere diana still persevered and got well over the big fence but her chance was out unless some unaccountable accident happened to the three other horses that were still running on they went there were only three more fences two small banks and a five-foot wall thunderer and miss fidget neck and neck took the two banks the big horse making awfully high leaps at them playful nearing them at every stride galloping over the banks as though they were but a part of the level field now for the wall now nicholas blake now show them how little they think of a five-foot wall in galway faith though larry's first bravo roscommon he's over and a couple bricks only falling show how lightly miss fidget touched it with her hind feet not so thunderer again the horse made an awful leap but the pace had been too much for him he struck the wall violently with his knees and bursting through gave blake a fall over his shoulders galway however was soon in his saddle again but not before bob was over and had long passed him and now there was a beautiful race in between the two mares and oh how charmingly both were ridden but though miss fidget was so favored in weight and had begun with the lead her elder rival collared her and beat her at the post by a head and why shouldn't she win as tony said in triumph to his friends for hadn't she the drop in her wasn't she by coriander out of pink by high flyer of course she'd win hadn't he known it all the time that's all very well said larry as he stood with his saddle in his hand waiting till bob got out of the scales it was only her damned long nose and neck that won after all for i'll swear my head was past the post before bob's well then larry will make a case for the stewards whether it's your head or the horses the judge should go by there's two of em whispered gainer wouldn't know if you were to ask em thunderer came in third and a couple minutes afterwards diana and pat connor when he was laughed at as to his place truly boasted that at any rate he was the only one that had been able to ride round the course without a fall 
the chief and most exciting race of the day being over the more aristocratic of the multitude seemed with one accord to turn their attention to luncheon the ladies began to unpack the treasures with which the wells of their cars had been loaded cold hams shoulder of mutton pigeon pies bottles of sherry and dozens of porter soon made their appearance and pretty girls putting corkscrews and carving knives into the hands of their admirers bid them work for their food before they ate woe betide the young man who had no female friends on the course no one to relieve the pangs of his hunger or to alleviate that intolerable delay which always seems necessary between races then were made engagements for the ball quadrilles and waltzes were given in exchange for sandwiches and ale lieutenants were to be had for sherry a glass of champagne would secure a captain great was the crowd round mrs mckeon's car and plentiful the partners who solicited the honor of dancing with liddy louis and feemy mckeon was there in all his glory shaking hands with every one shaking hands with every one praising his mare with his mouth full of ham and uttering vehement eulogiums on gainer between the different tumblers of porter which in his joy he seemed to swallow unconsciously then bob came up himself glowing with triumph for he knew that he had acquitted himself more than ordinarily well he had changed all his clothes for he had been completely drenched by his fall in the brook and now having nearly altogether fasted for the last forty-eight hours was not at all disinclined to assist at mrs mckeon's banquet he shook hands with her and all the three girls round and with tony although he had already done that three times before and he began a full history of the race which we needn't repeat i knew brickbat was as fat as a bullock he couldn't keep the pace up but i'll tell you what tony if any horse there could be playful it was conqueror but george can't wait i won fifteen pound from him he's made a bad thing of it lost his horse and all did you see the horse bob when you came to the big ditch by my honor then i didn't see anything from the time i got out of the brook i'd enough to do to sit where i was and keep the mare's head straight when she made the great leap i hardly felt her feet come to the ground she came down so lightly while he was speaking usher came up to the car and began congratulating them he had now openly stated that he was to leave the country altogether and that he had been ordered to cashel mrs mckeon was therefore no longer at a loss to account for feemy's melancholy and whilst she felt a cordial dislike to the man who she thought had so basely deceived feemy and was now going to desert her she was heartily glad for her sake he was going and reflected that as he was to be off to-morrow it was useless for her now to begin to be uncivil to him i'm glad to congratulate you mr mckeon i'm glad you won as my friend brown didn't a bad thing losing his horse isn't it thank you captain and i'm to congratulate you too i hear you're promoted and going away from us very glad for one sorry for t'other take a bit of cold pie damn it i forgot the pie's all gone but there's cold mutton and plenty of sherry liddy give captain usher a glass of sherry and usher went round to the side of the car where feemy was sitting and shook hands with her and the other girls it was the first time through the whole long morning he had come near her indeed it was the first time he had seen her since his short visit at mrs mckeon's and very cruel poor feemy had thought such conduct yet now when he merely came to speak a few words it was a relief to her and she took it actually for a kindness she felt herself so fallen in the world so utterly degraded she was so sure that soon everyone else would shun her that she shuddered at the idea of his ill-treating or deserting her he soon left her having got an opportunity of desiring her in a whisper to dance the first quadrille with him as he didn't think he should remain late at the ball as for usher himself he would now have been glad if he had been able to have got rid of feemy altogether 
as i said before when he started for ballycloran on the day that he heard he had to remove his quarters he had by no means made up his mind as to what he would do it was not at that time at all his purpose to induce feemy to leave her home or go with him in the scandalous manner he had at last proposed it was the warmth of her own affection and the vanity which this had inspired or rather strengthened in his breast that had at the moment induced him to do so and now he could not avoid it he had told his sporting friends of his intention and even if he could have brought himself to endure their ridicule by leaving her behind him he had gone so far that he could not well break off with feemy herself he was considerably bothered however by his position he felt that she would be a dreadful chain round his neck at the place he was going to and he began already to dislike her poor feemy she had already lost that for which she had agreed to sacrifice her pride her family her happiness and herself usher now returned to his two friends whose tempers were by no means improved by the calamity which had occurred fred declared it was all george's fault that he had ridden his horse too fast or too slow that he had been too forward or not forward enough his temper was by far too much soured by the loss of his own bets to allow him to console his brother for the more serious injury he had suffered at length however the three got into the drag and returned to brown hall after dinner each endeavored to solace himself by no stinted application to the bottle george declared that as he had been able to drink nothing for the last three days he'd make up for it now and that he wouldn't allow himself to be disturbed to dress for the best ball that could be given in ireland fred however was not so insatiable and at about eleven he and usher dressed and again drove into carrick the ball at carrick passed off as such balls always do there was but little brilliancy but a great deal of good humor the dresses were not the most costly nor possibly the most fashionable but the faces were as pretty and the figures as good as any that could be adorned for almack's by a parisian headdresser or milliner the band was neither numerous nor artistic but it played in good time and never got tired the tallow candles fixed in sconces round the walls of the room in which a short time since we saw some of our friends celebrating the orgies of bacchus gave quite sufficient light for the votaries of the nimble-footed muse to see their partners mind their steps and not come in too rude collision with one another quadrilles succeeded waltzes and waltzes quadrilles with most unceasing energy and no one dreamt of giving away to fatigue or supposed that it was at all desirable to sit down for a single dance from ten to two they kept it up without five minutes pause and then went joyfully to supper not to drink half a glass of wine and eat a mouthful of jelly or blanc manger standing but to sit down with well-prepared appetite to hot joints ham and chicken veal pies potatoes and bottled porter and then the songs that were sung it would have done your heart good to hear young fitzpatrick sing the widow mccree and then all the punch that was mixed and the eloquence that was used not in vain to induce the fairer portion of the company to taste it this state of things was not however allowed to remain long it was not at all the thing that men at any rate unmarried men should waste their time in drinking when they had come there to dance and after the ladies had left them about ten minutes messages came hot and thick from the ballroom desiring their immediate presence nor were they so bold as to neglect these summonses excepting some few inveterate sinners who having whiskey and hot water in their possession looked forward to a game at loo neglected the commands which were brought to them soon again the fiddle sounded and quick feet flew round the floor with more rapidity than before the tedium of the quadrille was found to be too slow and from three to six a succession of waltzes reels and country dances kept the room in one whirl of confusion 
and at last sent the performers home not from a feeling of satiety at the amusement but because from very weariness they were no longer able to use their feet Feemy early in the evening had danced with usher and received his final instructions respecting their departure on the morrow he was to leave brown hall early for mohill and fred's gig and horse were to be sent over to him there he was to send his heavy luggage on by the car and leaving mohill about seven when it would be dusk drive by the avenue at ballycloran and pick feemy up as he passed and they would then reach longford in time for the mail coach during the night usher calculated that feemy would not be missed till he had had two hours start and then it would be impossible to catch him before he reached dublin but miles said feemy how am i to get home you know i am at mrs mckeon's now why how helpless you are replied he can't you easily make some excuse to get home say you are ill and sick and want to be at home or if it must come to that say you will go home who's to stop you but i wouldn't like to quarrel with them miles just now too when they've been so kind to me well dearest you needn't quarrel with them say you're ill and wish to be at home but don't make difficulties love don't look so unhappy you'll be as happy as the day is long once we're away that is if you still love me feemy i hope after all i'm doing for you you'll not be sullen and cold to me because you're leaving such a hole as ballycloran if you don't love me feemy say so and you may stay where you are oh miles how can you say such words now you know i love you how much i love you else i wouldn't be leaving my home for you in this way and though ballycloran is here the poor girl could say no more for she was using all her energies to prevent herself from sobbing in the ballroom good god you're not going to cry here come out of the room feemy and he led her into the passage where under the pretense of looking at the moon they could turn their faces to the window what are you crying for now don't you know i love you why else would i be going with you well don't cry then but mind i shan't see you again before the time for i'm going out of this at once now i shall be at the avenue at a quarter before eight don't keep me waiting if you are there first as you will be walk a few steps along the mohill road so as to meet me no one will know you if you should meet any one for it will be nearly if not quite dark the moon won't rise till past ten do you understand feemy oh yes i understand well good night then my own love for i must be off but miles i want to say one thing hurry then dear what is it what'll i do about my things what things well miles i must bring some things with me clothes you know and things of that sort this puzzled usher rather he had considered that he should have enough trouble with feemy herself he had quite forgotten the concomitant evils of the bandboxes bundles and draperies which it would be necessary for feemy to take with her ah you can get clothes in dublin you can't want to take much with you you can bring a bundle in your hand just that distance can't you eh feemy feemy could not think that a week since he would not have asked her to carry all her travelling wardrobe in a bundle in her hand however she only said why not well miles i shall have so many things to think of but i shan't have much and if you'll let me i'll send biddy to meet you with what i must take she'll meet you on the road and put it into the gig good heavens what do you mean would you tell the girl what you're going to do why she'll tell your father and thady and raise the whole country on me no she wouldn't miles she wouldn't tell anybody a word when i told her not you don't know those sort of people she'd not say a word so if you'll let me i'll send her on to meet you with my things 
with a good deal of reluctance usher agreed to this and then again enjoining feemy not to keep him and the gig waiting in the road he took his leave and departed with his friend fred for brown hall first of all taking feemy into the refreshment room and making her drink a glass of sherry this did her much good and when she got back into the ballroom she was able to dance with tolerable spirit and mrs mckeon who had been watching her and had seen her dance with usher was glad to think that her protege had made up her mind to part with her lover in good spirits and before the evening was over she assured louis with great glee that in spite of all that had been said she foresaw that as soon as that horrid man had been gone three or four days Feemy would be as well and as cheerful as ever. Feemy was, nevertheless, very glad when she was told to get her cloak on, and found herself on the car going to Drumsna. She then told her friend that she wanted to be home with her father on the morrow, that she had promised to be home the day after the ball. She even pretended that she had received a message that evening from her father begging her to return. Mrs. McKeon did not think much about it, supposing that Feemy's presence might be necessary for household purposes at Ballycloran, and she readily promised her the loan of the car, at four in the afternoon, on condition that she would return to Drumsna in at least a day or two. This Feemy promised, rejoicing that her expected difficulties as to getting to Ballycloran were so easily overcome, and going to bed she slept more soundly than she had yet done since she had given her fatal consent to Usher's proposal. End of section 26, The Races, part 2.